The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Gork's Red FM. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. I'm your host, Jer McCarthy, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at jermccarthy 74 On this week's show, our special VIP guests are rising Ashton Hockey Club stars and Irish Hockey Under-16 internationals Amy Noonan and Katie Toomey, who talk to the bench about their love of hockey, representing Munster, and much, much more. Resident Red FM Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me to review the Austrian Grand Prix and all the latest F1 off-track headlines. Munster Women's Rugby's Wendy Keenan is back on the bench to talk about the Munster Under-17, 18 and senior squads, as well as the Ireland Under-20 international squad announcement. Cork Morgie Senior Manager Matthew Toomey joins me on the bench, as does Cork Intermediate Manager Trevor Coleman, ahead of two huge games for the county in this weekend's All-Ireland Senior and Intermediate Championships. I have all the reaction from Clannacilty, where the Cork LGFA seniors booked their place in this year's All-Ireland LGFA quarterfinals against Armagh. That's all to come on this week's Women in Sport podcast. This week's Big Red Bench VIP special guests are Rising Ashton Hockey Club stars Amy Noonan and Katie Toomey. They are the Irish Under-16 internationals who are talking to us here on the Big Red Bench about their love of hockey, representing Munster at interprovincial level, a recent Irish international trip to Germany and this weekend's Irish Under-16s internationals visit to Spain. Now, here on Cork's Red FM's Big Red Bench, we are delighted to be joined by two members of the Irish Under-16 Girls Hockey Team who are heading to Spain very, very shortly, just after coming back from a trip to Germany this past Easter. And they are uh, the two, only two Munster reps on that Irish Under-16 team. They both play for Ashton and they are with us here to tell us about their exploits and why hockey is such a brilliant sport and how much they're looking forward to representing their country in the coming weeks. First up is Amy Noonan. Amy, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm flying it. Thanks very much for joining us here on the Big Red Bench. And uh, Katie Toomey, how are you? I'm great. Thanks. That's how excellent. I'm really good as well. It's great to talk to the two of you. Um, I just mentioned there the fact that you are the only two Munster reps, representatives on the Irish Under-16 Schoolgirls hockey team. Now, Katie, you both play for Ashton, um, but how did you first get into hockey and how long are you playing sport? Um, I started hockey when I was seven. I was in first class and... Uh, one of uh, the ladies who worked with my mum, Olive, who was involved with Ashton, and she kind of told me to come along. So I kind of started then. And I live very close to Ashton as well. So I'd say it's only around 100 metres down the road from my house. So it was kind of convenient for me. I have to ask you, are you ever late for training? Uh, sometimes. My dad has brought me down to bring me down in the car if I'm running a bit late. <laughs> That's the danger of being so close. Amy, same question to you. Um, obviously, Ashton is a big club and you've been involved for a long time, but when did you start and, and why do you like the sport so much? Uh, I started in senior in Finsbury. My mom was involved at the club, so she brought me down with her. And um, I just really, I didn't really, I wasn't really involved with the sport at the start. Like, I, I, wasn't very interested in it but I grew like my interest in it obviously grew as I got as I got older and like I wouldn't look back at it at all like it was like such an amazing experience the whole thing. Um, it's a very very popular sport right now across Munster not just in Cork there's more and more schoolgirls are playing it is that your experience Amy are you seeing more and more girls younger than yourself as well in your school getting involved? Yeah, like even I'm Scovera and the first year teams, there's like 70 hockey players coming down on like, um, what day is it, on Wednesdays and there there's so many of them playing, which is really good to see. Katie, who are some of the coaches that have helped you 
uh, and Amy along the way at Ashton and how much do you love the sport? Um, well, at the start, it was a lot of like there's three sisters, Evelyn Olive and um, Evelyn Olive and Susan, who kind of were a big help. And Amy's mum, Keelan, coached our under 16 team, not this year, but two years ago. And I really enjoyed that. But it was kind of, um, well, at under 14 as well, she helped, but it was kind of in, that was in like the depths of COVID. So we didn't yeah. do too much matches then. It was, but at under 16, we and Michelle, she helped out a lot as well. Yeah. She really, we didn't do as well as we hoped this year, but we, we did. Yeah, well. no, we had a really good team and all the coaches were really, really support. Yeah, yeah, really supportive of everything we did. And it was, yeah, it was very nice and like positive atmosphere around our team and our club as well. And Amy, speaking of positive atmosphere, how how did you fare in the Interpros last year? Because this is becoming more and more competitive now as years go on. And, and Munster have a good reputation at under 18, under 16. But how did the Interpros go for you last year? Uh, well, me and Katie were our captains for the under-16 team last year and it didn't go like as well as we kind of would have hoped. We um, we lost three of our matches and we won one and our finals day was cancelled where we were going to try fight for third place. So in the end, I think we came fourth. But the team was like a very strong team and it had a lot of good potential. So it's nice to see everyone coming back for under-18 this year and hopefully in two years' time as well and we'll try to do a lot better. Excellent stuff. Katie, can I just ask you, um, as as two young players who love the sport of hockey and are dedicated to it and play a lot of it, how much of the Irish international women's senior team, the success that they had on television that you would have seen televised at at the Olympics World Championships, was that a big influence on you? Is that something you were glued to? Oh yeah, definitely. I went. I remember I went up to the Olympic qualifiers in Dublin to the uh, was that twenty nineteen? Mm-hmm. I think. And I remember like I was kind of getting. That was when I started getting into hockey, and I kind of just opened my eyes, be like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" I kind of just really, just yeah. I remember just watching them, being like, "They are incredible. I want to be like them." You know what I mean? And isn't it amazing? A lot of those players play in the Munster region, play for Munster teams, like uh, for their specific clubs. I mean, that must be a boost every time you get a chance to see them. Yeah. Really cool. Same for you, Amy. Was the, was the World Cup, I mean, the reason I ask is so many young girls, I mean, the World Cup soccer is coming up very, very shortly. The Republic of Ireland are going to be in Australia and New Zealand. It's going to be huge um, and rightly so for women in sport. But were you influenced by how well the Irish senior hockey team did? Yeah, I remember the World Cup. I just, I like have a really vivid memory of it. I was in my granddad's house and all my cousins were home and like, so they're from abroad and they don't play hockey at all. So I was outside and my granddad called me in and me and him watched the, um, I think it was the semi-final where um, Ireland was playing. I mean, my granddad just sat and watched it and I was like, I just wanted to go out and play hockey. Like I remember grabbing the hockey stick and running around the garden with tennis ball afterwards. How did you get the remote control off your granddad and did you give it back? <laughs> he he enjoyed watching hockey to be fair. So I don't think he, he had a choice, yeah. did he really after a while? Yeah, no, he didn't okay. at all. Excellent stuff. You're listening to Cork Street FM's Big Red Bench here at the Women in Sport podcast. I'm joined by two of Ashton's up and coming young hockey players, Amy Noon and Katie Toomey, who are going to represent Ireland on Irish under 16 hockey team in Spain very, very shortly. Before we move on and talk about the international scene, um, Katie, for you, I like to, as I mentioned, there's a lot of really popular international hockey players playing in the Munster region, but do you have a specific player that you admired and you've watched as you've grown up? Um. Well, I find I always, I'm a forward, so I always kind of tend to see, you know, kind of take inspiration from them. So Naomi Carroll, who plays Catholic Institute, I always kind of, you know, she always seems like a bit of an inspiration to me that she's just so good. Like, I just want to be able to, you know, score like her, you know what I mean? And same, same for you, Amy. 
Um, yeah, no, so, um, I really looked up to Katie Mullen because she plays midfield and I play midfield and also her ability to just lead like the Irish team because she's captain. It was just really like inspirational. Excellent stuff. So it's great to hear that. No Ashton players in influence, you know, in the senior team or any particular favourites, Katie, no? Sorry, what was that? Any Ashton players that you, uh, you, you, you enjoy watching at the senior level as well? Anyone that has uh, inspired you? Um, well, Robin Murphy, she's, um, I think she's on the Irish under-21s this year. She's always kind of been, the, um, she's always been representing Ireland. At, like, even when she was at under-16 and I was what, younger, I remember being like, oh, she's so cool. Cause she was always just above us playing at a high level. And the same to you, Amy? Anyone in Ashton that you aspire to be? Yeah, Robin Murphy as well. Like, because mm. she, she's just like so, she's like so close in age to us and to see what she's able to like achieve. It's like, it's really cool to look at. Excellent. Um. Playing hockey takes up a lot of your free time. Now you're in school, there's a lot going on uh, when you're at this particular age. There's a lot of sports and a lot of things happening. Um, Amy, just back to you again, like getting on the Irish under 16 team is not an easy thing to do. It's the whole country and a lot of girls are trying to get on this. Can you tell me a little bit about the trials? How difficult were they and how often and how many trials did you have to undergo? Um, we went off to Dublin for trials. So like there's quite a bit of travel involved in the trials and um I'd say we went through about six or seven maybe. yeah I'd say so um I'm trying to just it was kind of a it's like the change in standard from going from monster trials to Irish trials there was just a massive change like it was just so much more like so quick so much more so much quicker and like the standards just so much better so it really like even I, even if I hadn't made it like the trials alone you, you got so much pointers from the coaches and like mm. Like just you picked up so much different things from the people around you in trials that like it was just it was a really cool experience. Was it the same for you, Katie? That big step up. I mean, you 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 are used to competition at, at club level. Obviously, it's very intense, and then at interprovincial level, it's even it's even even more intense. But at international level, you're playing the best of the best, and you've got to perform in each of those trials. Did you feel that kind of pressure? And and what was your experience of it? Yeah, it's kind of like school club um, or like down here, then province a bit more, and then it was just like. Oh, it was a whole nother level. Like we went up and I just was kind of just like, whoa. Like, you know, because you kind of go from being just, you just kind of, oh, you just go from being, you know, just maybe one of your players in your club and then you go up there and then everyone's the same level as you. And it's just a bit like, it was just so, so surreal. I kind of just, it was, it was class. Well, you must have done something right because you're the only two representative on the Irish under 16 hockey team. So to achieve that goal is a fantastic achievement. So congratulations on that. And just on that, Katie, you've been, you've already been on your travels. You were in Germany earlier in the year. Tell us about how, what that trip was like for you. Um, when we were in Germany, we went to Aachen and we played Germany, Belgium and the Czech Republic under 18s team. And it was kind of just to get, like, I feel before we went, we didn't really grasp the like standard of the mm. of the teams over there. But we re- we rose and we played or we played really well against them. And I think we kind of bonded as a team and it really helped us to prepare for Spain. And for you, Amy, what was it like going to Germany? Was that your first time away with a with a team on, on foreign soil? Yeah, no, it was it was the first time like away playing hockey. And like when you play your first match, like nothing can really prepare you, especially because you played the Germans first. Like nothing can really compare you, prepare you for the standard of hockey that they they play at. Like it was a real shock when they came out and they just like full force attacked from the very beginning. And it was we we held up fairly well against them, and we were really happy with how we performed against them. So it was a very good experience. And far, far more importantly, Amy, what was the crack like off the pitch? What was the the squad like? Did you have a lot of fun? 
it was really good because we all stayed in the hotel together and like we were all sharing rooms and it was it was so much fun like we got we bonded a lot more as a team than what we did because at training you might have the odd conversation with people mm. and then you were paired up with people in rooms and like you just got so much closer especially people who like you're in a room with or just like the people you kind of um stayed with during like the stay and you got so much closer with people from like all over the country so what you're saying is you were very well behaved, you represented your clubs and your families and your countries and there yeah. was no shenanigans going on or staying up late at no. night or any of that, no? No, no, no. Okay, no. very good. God, you're pure internationals, you're not telling me anything. Very, very good. Um, you're listening <laughs> to the Big Red Bench here at Cork Street FM, the Women in Sport podcast with me, Jer McCarthy. I'm joined by Ashton's Amy Noon and Katie Toomey talking about the only two under-16 Munster represent- representatives on this year's Irish under-16 international hockey team. To finish up, Katie, um, you're out, you're finished with Germany. It's coming into the summertime, but you're going to be very, very busy because you're heading over to Spain um, for a, a tournament very, very shortly. And before that, there's quite a lot of work to be done and work that you have been going through. Now, you're heading to Jordanstown this weekend for a final training session before you head to Spain. So what's your timetable like between here and when you head out there? Um, well, tomorrow, me and Amy are going the train up to Dublin and I'm staying the night in Dublin and one of my teammates about Amy's heading straight to Belfast. And then we'll drive up um, on the Friday morning or so our training starts at half 10 and we'll do training and some analysis like video watching and stuff and I think we're playing the Ulster boys at six is it six, I think? yeah yeah and then we're staying in the student accommodation there that night and then we have training again on Saturday Amy, it's quite, it's quite intense at this level. I mean they, we laugh and joke about the fun that you have but you really are like every minute is accounted for almost on a timetable but like it, I suppose there's pressure but you enjoy it because this is this is the elite now this is Irish international under 16 hockey and you need to prepare yeah um no like it the they have it planned out really really well like I was, even in Germany we would have like mornings off and they would tell you certain times you have to be in different places for video meetings or just like you'd have to go gather information with your like lines like the defenders you all have to go like get videos and stuff like it's really well planned out and it's just such a like a different um type of training and like it's it's really cool to be honest it, it sounds very cool. The weekend that you're in Spain, you play uh, you play the, the host nation, you play Scotland, and then you play Germany, um, Katie, in three games in three very in quick succession. It's going to be quite intense, um, but it will be worthwhile. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited, to be fair. Um, when we're in Germany, I didn't play the Germany match, so I'm hoping to hopefully get some time against Germany and then uh, Spain and Scotland. Spain will be tricky there, ranked second, so I think it'll be uh, that will probably be our toughest match in our pool, but I think we can rise to it, and I've, I'm confident in our team. Oh, there's fighting words if ever I heard them. And Amy, the same to you. How much are you looking forward to playing those three countries in, in over the course of three three or four days, which will be quite intense? Yeah, it's going to be very intense because, especially because the heat, like mm. over there right now, it's like 37 degrees at like the at like 12 or 1. But all our matches are late in the evening, so hopefully it'll be a bit, a bit easier. Won't really make much of a difference for us anyways, but mm. we'll still be roasting. Um, Spain, Spain will be very tough, I'd say, but... Again, I hope, I'd say we can hold up against them and I, I hope we do ourselves proud against them. And we played Germany and we just let it go in the last, I think, quarter. So we've really worked on keeping our intensity up throughout the whole match. And I think we'll be able for them again this time. And then uh, we've never played Scotland, so I don't really know what to expect with them. So, um, But yeah, I hope we, like our main goal is just to go out there and like perform to the best of our abilities and like make sure we don't have any like regrets left on the pitch. 
Oh, wow. Spoken like two true internationals, <laughs> even at under 16 level. Um, listen, uh, Amy Noon and Katie Toomey, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to talk to you. Uh, two of Ashton's uh, graduates from uh, obviously some very, very good training going on and coaching there to produce two such fine players. Being the only two Munster representatives on this Irish under, international under 16 hockey team is a huge achievement already. But everybody here on the Big Red Bench wishes you well uh, in your trip away to Spain. We hope it goes well for you. And who knows, we might catch up in a couple of weeks' time and hear how you get on. But I think we're going to be talking again in the not too distant future uh, to two of Ashton's uh, emerging talents. So to Amy Noonan, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. And to Katie Toomey, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Resident Red FM Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me on the Big Red Bench to discuss all the latest on and off track Formula One headlines around the 2023 season. You can find more of Sarah McKenzie Foley's expert Formula One analysis on her active social media accounts on YouTube, Sarah McKenzie F1, Instagram, MacGram underscore, and on Twitter, Mac tweets underscore. That time of the week again here on the Big Red Bench where we talk all things Formula One and it's time to bring in our resident Formula One expert, Sarah McKenzie Foley, to look back at the Austrian GP, which was very entertaining in my opinion, but we'll see what our expert thinks. Sarah, you're very welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. I, f- I found it quite entertaining for the most part. Yes, for the most part, there was a bit of frustration. We're going to start or talk about that, the whole bloody track limit penalties thing. But let's talk, let's talk first of all, about the sprint race in terms of delivering drama and in testing conditions, he said, with, with, uh, with quotes around them, your opinion of it and, and what actually happened. Yeah, so the originally the forecast for the whole weekend was rain. And then the closer that we got to actual on-track running, it looked like that wasn't going to happen. But thankfully, we did get a bit of rain on uh, on the day of the sprint. And essentially, it was enough that they needed to start on inters. But it, the track, the more they ran on it, it just kept on drying and drying. And the inter tires were just absolutely falling away. And with about five to seven laps left there was just everyone by the front runners decided to pit for dry slicks and it was just I mean it was literally breathless it was just overtake after overtake and we just we don't see that anymore ever so I think it was great um you know George Russell actually made an interesting comment afterwards he he said that the sprint race is slightly too short and I find that quite funny because the complaint about free practice is that it's far too long and then the sprint is supposed to be shorter than the actual race. So, you know, the drivers are never happy, but um, no, it was great. We had some fantastic battles and both Haas cars, I must say, performed really well, particularly Hulkenberg. He was up there, you know, in P2 and ended in P6 in a point scoring position. And they're just really outperforming the car and I think they just deserve a mention because mm. it's it's really tough down that end of the down that end of the paddock. Yeah, the race didn't work out too well for him in the end, but I mean, yeah, the sprint certainly it was good to see that name uh, being up in the top echelons of that race. Mm. I think what helped, I think it was just the meeting of a track that is so suited to sprint racing, if you want to call it mm. that, wide areas for them to overtake, which we saw in the race itself, and in the conditions, and then all the the uh, the tires and the pitting as well. It certainly was the drama. This is the kind of Netflix thing you want. Uh, this is the thing you'll go back to Netflix. But the overall weekend, um, and the race itself at the Austrian GP. I mean, before we talk about the good, let's talk about the track limit penalties because there were so many of them. Can you explain why there were so many of them and 
well, how frustrating it is then for the viewers when they were looking at this and it's just constant. It's, it's like a bloody, uh, one of those messages from Windows that keeps popping up in your computer. Like They were just all the way through the, yeah. last, the second half of the race. I was just going to say the penalty notification at the top of the screen on the Sky Sports coverage it might as well have been a strobe light. It just kept, <laughs> it was on and off the entire race. I think from lap 13, I believe, was the first time that it happened in talking about, a, you know, a race has more than 70 laps. It's just, it, it was chronic. And it took them five hours after the race had finished to release the final classification because they had to ratchet up all these extra penalties that had happened that they just didn't have time to capture during the race. And it's just, it, it makes it makes the sport look unprofessional and it takes the, sh- the shine off the result because it just, it's silly. You know what I mean? Like they, they knew this was going to happen. This has always been a track where track limits have been an issue. These car- cars are wider than they've ever been before. They're harder to drive. And I think... They're just they're gonna to have to look at it next year, particularly turns nine and ten. If you put a gravel runoff area where that white line currently is, you will not see drivers go into that gravel runoff area because that's gonna ruin their their race. So you have to put a barrier there that is going to prevent them from taking advantage because that's what they're trying to do at the end of the day. Well, is it so more drivers trying to take advantage and then moaning about it afterwards? Like you said, uh, you know, and they know they can get away with it and then they can have their moan that that kind of gravel area is, is the way to go. I think so, because it just, it creates a level playing field for everyone. You know, someone made the point, I think it was on Sky Sports coverage that, oh, you know, the, the more sophisticated or diligent older drivers aren't making these errors today but they did you know what I mean there were eight drivers in total that that had that problem and eight out of 20 that's a pretty big you know percentage I I can't say that everyone else was keeping their nose squeaky clean it just means they didn't get as many track violation uh, warnings and I just yeah, you just you just have to put preventative measures there. You know, these drivers are trying to eke out every thousandth of a second that they can out of these cars, and if that means risking going outside of the white line, clearly that's that's what they're going to do. Yeah, and it was frustrating. I mean, as you said, it was a good good line about the strobe lights, uh, the, the constant messages at the screen, but. The Red Bull ring is designed in such a way, the wide angle from the camera as well, the production of this this Formula One. Am I wrong? Mm. It was just it felt better and it felt more engaging instead of the the close ups of the crowd and the slow mos jumping over the, you know, over the over over the corners. I mean, you get that anyway. But whoever directed this race did a really good job because when it mattered, the battles at various corners when the DRS opened, we got a brilliant wide angle view of how the drivers did things that's what I get that's what I keep saying about the Red Bull Ring it's a really good track in terms of visuals because we had a lot of overtaking as you said in sprint we had a lot of overtaking during the race we had a winner unsurprisingly I mean it might have been a right if he hadn't won in the Red Bull Ring Max we say it every week almost like a cliche but we need to mention him because he is the champion he's champion for a reason yeah. I wouldn't say it was an effortless drive Sarah and he had his trouble mm. with Sainz so I thought Sainz put up a good battle with him on a couple of occasions but the difference this year with Max, I put it to you, is that he's just that bit cooler and he knows what to do and he doesn't get as, as hot-headed into the corners as he used to and look at him go. I mean, no one's going to stop him now. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I think, I agree to a point, but you see things like what happened with George Russell 
you know, and then you hear what he said about Checo at the weekend mm. when they were actually racing wheel to wheel. It was like, oh, we'll have to have a chat about this afterwards because that's not fair game. You know, but I think having that level of confidence in you being the number one choice for your team gives you probably a very large safety blanket <laughs> in addition to the fact that you know how much slower everyone else is than you you know that genuine gap at the end was about 23 seconds to the next closest car and that is a genuine gap you know I mean his engineer at the end Max wanted to pit for a set of soft tires to take away the the fastest lap extra point and the engineer was kind of saying oh I don't know if something goes wrong you know, we only have a four second buffer and he went for it and he did it. You know, that's the level of confidence that he has at the moment. And I think we've had, we've seen him get flustered a couple of times, but for the most part, he's really unbothered because there's nobody up there to be poking the bear to, uh, yeah. to borrow the expression. Yeah, that's fair. I think, I think that's very fair. But I, I was just, uh, when I saw science having a go at him, I was kind of going, yeah, go on, have a go at him. Just seeking yeah. to get in there. There was no reaction. There was just all I think professional. We all were. Yeah, it was very professional, and it was it was well the way he did it. Like he just kind of said, "No, I'm just going to, I'm just going to wait for my moment because I've got the fastest car. We're in the Red Bull ring, and if I do anything exactly. stupid here, I'm jeopardizing an already." Career. So I, I like that about Max. Let's talk about Ferrari though, um, because mm. science, um, uh, specifically science, um, you know, and Leclerc too. Sorry, Leclerc obviously came in second. Like, but I mean, science, or sorry, uh, in the in the Austrian GP. Both Ferraris look competitive right at the start. Mm. Now, obviously, when the tire changes happened, there was there was differing value, differing different times when different cars looked a little bit faster on the fresher tires. But overall, um, and they haven't really been talked about much. I'm surprised that the Ferrari looked consistent all the way through the race, and that was the key for me that the drivers were, you know, they weren't taking a backward step here against anybody. They put in mm. as soon as they were passed out, they were immediately looking in you know, to get a, to get a, a drag. Um, they were battling all the way, and that. This this weekend probably gave me more confidence as a Ferrari support a fan than any other. Um, am I oversetting it, or were you impressed with the two drivers? No, I think that's completely fair. I think it's the first. Is it, well, it was actually the first number of laps that a Ferrari car has led at all in the twenty twenty three season was this weekend uh, in Austria. So I think that is a landmark moment for them. You know, maybe not one that they would like, but it's better than, you know, having to wait even longer for it. I think they, as you say, they both look consistent. There was no major, you know, mistakes. They had the pace, you know, until obviously you get to that point where Max does pull away. But until then, they looked pretty feisty. I think almost it was almost a feast or a famine for them because when science was behind Leclerc and he did look to be that bit faster, they weren't willing to release him. And then they did have that double stack pit stop, which both stops ended up being slow and that did disadvantage science in the end. But I think overall a much more positive weekend and a much more, yeah, just confident Mm. fighting energy looking weekend from them and I think that's that's badly needed obviously given everything that they've been dealing with lately yeah that's fair I think that's fair and it just as I said it's encouraging let's, let's see can they deliver now in Silverstone and, and take another step um, mm-hmm. we can't talk about this past weekend without talking about McLaren I mean you have highlighted them specifically um, in terms of now I know they had upgrades a certain amount of upgrades perhaps coming into it but yep. you know uh, huge strides and like a top five finish, which was upgraded after about you know twenty four hours of mathematics, <laughs> but for Lando Norris and for McLaren, it's good timing because they needed this. 
Oh, badly. I mean, if Ferrari needed a good weekend, McLaren really needed a good weekend. It's been just a torrid season for them so far. And actually this weekend, it was as if the upgrades almost flipped a switch. And it's a shame that both cars didn't have them, but hopefully Oscar Piastri will get them sooner rather than later. And they do have even more upgrades coming this week, uh, coming into Silverstone. So I think we can expect to be looking out for them again. You know, in particular, I loved Norris's battles with Hamilton. It, despite Lewis not coming out on top, that was just... A lot of respect there, wasn't there? Sorry, there was a lot yes, of respect there, yeah. Yes, and they kept just finding each other. You know, it kind of happened multiple times. Um, and it was great every time. And it's, I mean, not for Mercedes, obviously, because the McLaren is a is a Mercedes powertrain customer. It's never good to be overtaken by by your own client. But I think, you know, overall, definitely good for the sport and definitely good for that sort of middle of the field racing mm. where we have Max, you know, we have Ferrari, Aston Martin, Mercedes, and now it looks like potentially Alpine and hopefully McLaren kind of pulling up to the back of that group as well. Which leads us nicely into Silverstone and the British Grand Prix, which is coming up because a lot of teams have their upgrades for that particular race. Obviously, mm. a lot of them are based in Britain, so that's it, it, it makes sense for the sponsors and everybody. You know, we got to put a good show on here at Silverstone. It's always overhyped by the British and Sky Sports anyway, so it's going to be better than ever. But um, you do, of the teams you've spoken about at the moment, and I'm putting you on the spot here now, but Aston Martin, I think, Mercedes, McLaren and Ferrari, who's, who's likely to finish runner-up? in the constructors. I mean, not even on the points, but who's who's likely to come out of this season stronger, I suppose, going into mm. next year of that particular group? Or do you see any flickering hope for anybody even outside of that? I think it'll be whoever gets their two drivers to the closest parallel level of performance. Because if you think about it, you know, Sainz and Leclerc have the, have the potential to do that. They have the potential to both be at the same level. They obviously have, well, they have part of the machinery that they need to get them there. Uh, I think Mercedes, their pairing is very different. Obviously, junior and senior, which is kind of the standard tried and tested option that we've seen from teams over the years. I think they have the potential to maybe even get a win this year. I don't know about Ferrari getting a win. I think it's it's a bit of a stretch. Aston Martin have disappointed me a little bit lately. Yes. I think they've sort of fallen off a bit. Um, I will say Lance Stroll has improved in that time. So interestingly, while Fernando has not been shining as brightly, Lance has been starting to close that gap to him. Do I think he'll get up to the level of performance of Alonso? Absolutely not. I just don't think he's that calibre of driver. So I think, I think really between the three of them, I mean, I, I think Aston Martin, unfortunately, may be the least likely mm. to to kind of to come out of it looking the strongest. I just don't think they have as much talent in their lineup as the other combinations do. No, I think that's fair. I think that's fair, and it's just it's a pity because there was such hype. I suppose when Alonso got going there early in the season, he was looking like the Alonso of old. Um, but who knows? Because as we know, like when 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 upgrades come, some work, some don't work. But that mm. uh, that that just below that Red Bull tier is going to be very very interesting to the second half of the season. Before we uh, finish up by talking about the uh, F one standings and the F one race drivers and. Well, we all know how things stand, but we do it anyway every week. Um, you wanted to mention, unfortunately, a very, very disappointing occurrence at Eau Rouge and Spa over the weekend. Yeah, so um, Dutch racer Delano Van Toff unfortunately passed away 
during a crash in Eau at Spa over the weekend. Um, one of the drivers that he crashed with was actually an, an Irish racer called Adam Fitzgerald, who is said to be in a, a stable condition, lots of broken bones, but he paid tribute to Delano on his social media today. And it's good to to see that kind of statement coming out. But yeah, just really sad for, for the world of motorsport. And, you know, we had this with Antoine Hubert just a couple of years ago, almost a carbon copy. And I think it just really is shining a light on not just that corner, but Spa in general. You know, it's it's legendary, but it's extremely dangerous. And a couple of the drivers called attention to it as well. You know, a couple of the F1 drivers saying, look, we just have to look at this. It's too scary and it's too dangerous. So I think it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully there'll be some some sort of reaction from the powers that be there um, after that incident. Yeah, I agree with you. As much as I love Oru's and the, the optics of Oru's and all down through the years and the various, unfortunately, the, the various scrapes and crashes that have occurred, but when something like this happens, it's not worth the loss of a life. It's just not. And uh, you're right. They need to go and look at it and hopefully uh, the powers that be will do that. So we finish with news of the Austrian GP Max Verstappen in the Red Bull, winning in the Red Bull, ring 26 more points for him. Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari, finishing second and Sergio Perez, the Red Bull teammate of Verstappen in third. Lando Norris, good to see McLaren up there in fourth and Fernando Alonso and the Aston Martin uh, arriving in in fifth. All that means uh, in the Constructors' Championship, we don't care. You know who's winning. They're way out in front. They're not going to get caught. They're Red Bull. We'll swiftly move to the Drivers' Championship and you know who's top of that too. It's seven wins and nine podiums. 229 points Max Verstappen the reigning world champion followed by his teammate Sergio Perez the Mexican in the other Red Bull in 148 but he's closely followed by Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton in the Mercedes back and forth and Carlos Sainz Jr. Uh, moving up in there into fifth with the Ferrari next up is the British Grand Prix um, there's never been a Brit- bad British Grand Prix according to the British press which is amazing and that happens on the 9th of July uh, it's always a good circuit to at Silverstone Silverstone like to, it lends itself to fast pace and a bit of action how much you look forward to it Sarah and uh, in the in the interim where can we also find your regular Formula 1 content yeah I agree it's one of those that you just have to watch everything you know it's just you because you never know what's going to happen so yes definitely looking forward to it uh, I have a new video out on my channel which you can find on YouTube I'm Sarah McKenzie F1 just chatting a bit more detail about the celebrity investments that we spoke about last week and you can also find me on Twitter I'm at MacTweets underscore Excellent stuff. We'll talk to you next week and we'll dissect that British Grand Prix, which is going to be brilliant because Sky Sports said so. (laughs) Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM. Monster Women's Rugby's Wendy Keenan joins me on this week's Big Red Bench to offer us her expert opinion on news of the Monster Women's Rugby under 17 and under 18 squad's new season preparations. A booked out summer residential summer camp programme, the Munster senior women who are back in training for the new campaign, and this week's Irish Women's Under 20 International squad announcement. Joining me on the line here on Cork Street FM's Big Red Bench for a regular Munster women's rugby slot is Munster women's rugby and just rugby expert, all round expert, Wendy Keenan. Wendy, how are you? You're very welcome back to the show. Thanks a million. Greetings from Kerry. Yes, even on your holidays, working holidays for Wendy, it just never stops, does it, with the rugby? To look quad harm. I'm away from home, so it's great. It's great to be uh, to be able to come on. Okay, no, no, I want to take a holiday myself. Okay, fair enough. We, we'll crack on straight away, so I don't want to interrupt any more of your holidays. We have news of the Munster under-18 squad and the under-17s as well. 
Yeah, I suppose look, the, the under-18s have been training. They had a down week last week, but they start back uh, again this week. Um, so they've been training Wednesdays and Fridays in preparation for their Interpros, which will kick off in August. So there's 30 girls that have been selected for the squad. So I suppose I, I, people might wonder where these where the selections have come from. They've come from the regional training programmes, the sevens training programmes, and also from our Front 5 programme, which we've spoken um, on this before Um about so their interpros as I mentioned will start in August. They'll start with a home match to Connacht, then they're away to Leinster, and then they've the trip up north to play uh, to play Ulster. But there's a change this year. The semi-finals and finals are coming back into it, but they're not being played till the February midterm. So they'll have a bit of a wait. Um, so a lot of conversations going on about how you manage a squad through that, you know, that through that interval. Mm. Um, but look, they'll have a chance to go back to their clubs, practice what they've learnt in their training sessions. See them playing in, you know, I mean, in the league competitions, and then they'll be put pulled back into camp because those girls are experiencing, I suppose, athletic skill and tactical development in the high performance environment. Um, their head coach is Willie Schubert, mm. um, which is a development officer. He comes with a wealth of experience, and the assistant coach as well, Lee Fitzgerald, lots of experience there. So, look, an exciting time for those girls. You know what I mean? After their their down week, now to be coming back into training, um, again this week. You mentioned the under-17s. They're also back training after their down week. Um, so they have another couple of weeks of training. And the, it's important to mention that they train alongside the under-18 squad. So they see what the step up is and what is expected from them when they do make that step up into the next um, age grade. And exciting news is that both squads will be playing an American touring side on the 22nd of July in Feathertown Park. They're called... Um, the Eagle Impact is it like a national academy that they have based out of Colorado. So both squads will have you know will have matches there, and no doubt there'll be another training match um, come up for both of those for select selection processes. But um, yeah, great news for all those young girls. Yeah, and a very good decision, I think, too, to incorporate the under-17s, as you said, if only to give them a look at what's coming down the line, but to get a chance as well to show what they can do to the kind yeah. of coaching structure that are going to be there ahead of them. They know what to expect coming into it. And uh, I, th- I suppose playing the match at this time of the year is unusual, but no harm either, because as you said, it's going to get very, very busy very, very quickly once the Interpro start. The whole idea, though, of the semi-finals and final, the extra games, I think it's a good idea at the Interpro level, but it is kind of awkward managing them with the gap between when the, the regular round robin games finish and that and uh, you know into the midterm as you said but at the same time you're keeping the squads together so there's something to aim for hopefully afterwards once they finish the first three matches you you are keep, yeah you are keeping the squads um together and we'll have to manage man, manage that in our season plan mm. when it comes to the league so that there are intervals for them to get together for training sessions maybe on a sunday you know make, maybe do a longer training session and i suppose also to remember because of the under 18 national squad you know what I mean, and, the, and their tournament that they play in, the semi-final and final is positioned, I suppose, for selection processes. Mm. Um, and look, it's it's as you mentioned, it's great. And I'm, I have no doubt. I bet you will see one or two of those under seventeens, maybe stepping up into that under eighteen camp because they're run side by side. And in preparation for that uh, match that I just mentioned in um, July, both squads have a residential camp in UL ahead of that fixture, and but they'll train alongside the senior squad. Um, so they get to meet their role models and see what it's like to be a senior player and the intensity of training and, you know, to be in that environment. Um, so I think it's, I think the pathway is really positive and I think this is a really positive development, you know, and a next step for those girls. 
Absolutely, a positive is the word. I mean, the more you expose players uh, along the pathway to what's coming down the line, the more likely they are to get in their heads exactly what they need to do and to see it up up close. You have to see it, I think, and witness it, probably experience it. Um, but yeah, that's great news in that match, as we said. We'll keep an eye on that match as well against uh, the USA Impact. I love that name. Um, on towards now, uh, equally important news, and that's the residential summer camps, and good news as well for Munster Women's Rugby with the numbers involved. Yeah, booked out. No more beds available. We've just run out of beds. Um, so 120 girls um, registered um, in for Bandon Grammar. It started, I suppose, last season. So this will be held mid-August. Um, and these girls get to experience training at the next level. And I suppose they experience the atmosphere of a pro rugby player, really, because they're going to sleep, breathe, eat rugby, um, you know what I mean, for their residential camp. Um, I think I spoke about it last year that I attended and was very impressed, you know, with the setup was there. Um, the coaching that they got, you know, I mean, the off-pitch sessions, but especially the food. I have to mention the food was spectacular um, in Bandon Grammar. And look for those who, you know, I know there's a lot of disappointed girls. A lot of phone calls being made about, you know, would we run another one? Um, I don't think that's on the cards for this year because of the residential element of it. But every week for the next seven weeks, there's camps happening. Um, so they're open for registration as well at the moment. Three started this week. They're open to boy, both boys and girls, 12 to 16. So if you haven't got into one of those, maybe you could get in one of the others. Clubs all out Munster. You just go to the Munster Rugby website and they'll direct you to your local club. Brilliant stuff. And uh, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that the residential camps were filled after the way you spoke about them last year. And it's great to see it. And as you said, like there's seven weeks there for kids who mightn't, disappointingly, not get into the residential camp, but there's options for them um, to fill the weeks before the season starts again. And it's great to hear that. It's great to hear the numbers and that the interest levels. That's a huge, that's a huge increase on last year's numbers. Mm. You know what I mean? I know that the year before we struggled um, with numbers, but now to see, you know what I mean, over 120 girls, you know, they were even trying to add in extra beds, rooms, trying to get more no. girls in. Um, but it's at full capacity now. There's no more. Uh, what they've said is there's no more beds available. That's it. Fair enough. We better leave it at that. Then. We're going to give people uh, any ideas otherwise that there might be. There isn't. The hotels are full. Um, and good luck to everybody in Bandagram or that. That's interesting. We'll keep tabs on that because I'd like to hear how that goes. Uh, it's clearly very popular with the people involved and the young young rugby players, aspiring rugby players, and a real opportunity to, sh- to shine once again during the off-season. We've spoken about the Munster under-18 squad and the 17s and what's involved in the coming weeks. We also have news now of the Munster senior squad as well, Wendy. Yeah, they're training now. They're training away and I suppose a little different process this year. So these girls went through an open trial setup this season, which has been different from previous seasons. So the clubs nominated players for the screening processes. And um, from that, then the training squad was selected by the head coach, Neil Briggs. Um, I suppose the first team, first time in a couple of years that the players have act, or the clubs have been actually been active in nominating players that they thought you know, I mean have the potential to play for Munster, which was um, which was great. And Neil Briggs will be assisted this year by Fee Hayes um, on the coach coaching side of things. And it's wonderful to see some of our former under eighteen girls are now stepping up into the senior squad. Um, and look, there they've come through our pathway, and you know, I, I, people will be sick of me when the pathways but they are important and we need to see those young girls coming through you know the under 16 17 18 and into the senior side if we're to you know mean to develop and get better and lift our standards um, and that has a knock-on effect at the club level and you mentioned the pathways we'll keep mentioning the pathways on this podcast because there's numerous pathways this is the thing there's not just one pathway and for a young girl who might get knocked back early on in a particular trial it ain't over um, and here's proof positive of it with the number of girls now that you see. Is this the first batch that you mentioned in the 18s that have kind of come through the whole pathway from start to finish, you know, into a senior setup? 
I think last year was probably the first year okay. that we saw some of the girls trickling through. Um, but this year, definitely. And we can see the girls, you know what I mean, that are playing, you know what I mean, that even got selected on the Irish under-18 team. They were involved in sevens, you know, that we're hoping with the announcement this week, which we'll talk about in a minute, about under-20s, that we'll see them coming through there. Um, but yes, so it's, I suppose in terms of its entirety and the full pathway, this will probably be the first Full year of it. Full year of it, yeah. Excellent stuff. Um, you mentioned the Ireland Under-20 squad announcement. Now, the podcast obviously is out today, Thursday. It's happening this week, but a, a lot of excitement around that too, Wendy, and rightly so. Oh, huge. I mean, I suppose, you know, there has been lots of discussions in relation to the need for Under-20, um, but to see it actually coming to fruition is is very exciting. So 26-player squad will travel to Italy to participate in a series of training matches. And look, we're really hoping that we'll have lots of monster representation there. But there's 44 girls assembling at the IRFU High Performance Centre for camp. Um, and that's all over being overseen by uh, Katie Fitzhenry. Katie is the National Talent ID Manager. And some other um, very exciting coaches were mentioned um, as well in terms of that. But out from the 44, 26 will come together um, on the 16th of July. So they'll be in camp, all right? And then they will travel to Rome on the 21st of July. And there they're going to train against Italy and Scotland um, before heading into matches on the 28th of July. So it's interesting that they're going to be training against, you know what I mean, live training plus challenge matches at the end of it. So it'll be a very intensive week. But um, I want to take the words of Katie here and she talks about further accelerating the development of our young best talent. And I thought that's a lovely way of, of putting it, you know, exposing them to the high performance environment. They'll have high quality coaching, they'll have SNC coaching and they'll also have nutrition and medical support, you know what I mean, throughout that campaign. So look, it gives recognition, I suppose, to the talent that's out there that mightn't be ready for the step, the step up for a full international, a senior international. It'll test them in terms of their skill set, but it's testing them in a very competitive environment against um, other nations. So uh, look, it's a wonderful initiative and well done to the IRFU, um, you know what I mean, for, for bringing this to fruition. Yeah, and quite a lot of intensity. If there's 44 players looking to get on that squad, it's going to be, I love the way you say training against Scotland and Italy. How exactly do you train against another country? Now? Do you just basically tear into them during the drills? Is that it? Well, I'm sure the back lines will probably run against each other. They'll scrummage against each other. They'll, you know, they'll have lineouts against each other. Um, it's a good idea, know. though, because there's a bit of intensity. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of laughing at it in one sense. I've never, you don't, you don't get that in the other sports, but there's so much at stake here. All jokes aside, Wendy, like for the 44 people that are involved here, um, you know, you've got to be on it from day one on your training, and like you're going to have to show up and be consistent. And this is the level. This is the step up again if you want to get to the senior side of things. Like it just sounds, it sounds like such a good idea first of all to to, to yeah. train with the other countries but it also raises the bar as soon as you land there you've got to start delivering I mean Ger, I mean um, you and I have been involved in many sports but mm. how often do we see you know young promising talent coming through and then put them into that very high competitive you know international mm. match or you know what I mean whatever sport they're playing whatever is the top level and we've seen them crumble mm. you know what I mean so this is part of the preparation I think for the young talent that's coming through that they get a test of what it's like to be in a high intensity environment from training but also competitive and they're called training matches because there won't be a limit I suppose on the term, yeah. number of changes that you can make or you know there might be breaks every 20 minutes you know what I mean? whatever structure it's going to take or might be you know what I mean they only play a 40 minute match Um. But that is all in preparation for girls to getting to that green jersey. So we need our Irish team to be better. 
Look, mm. I mean, we've discussed that at length here, mm. and this is part of that jigsaw, if you like, a piece of that jigsaw in 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 raising the standards. And everything we've spoken about on this episode points to that. And we're just talking about Munster. I assume Leinster, Ulster, and Connacht are doing something similar. I don't know, but the fact that this effort is being put in by Munster at ground level, seventeen, eighteen, twenty, you know, and the announcements and better preparing our provincial players for when they get the opportunity to make their stake, stake a claim for an international place. Clearly, the, fra- the foundations are being put in place. Oh, yeah. I mean, even that the girls, the young girls now are, are training in the high performance y- uh, centre and rubbing shoulders, I suppose, even with the pro men, you know what I mean? Mm. So they can, they integrate with them and they ask them questions about their, you know, position specific questions and, you know, even that in itself and, you know, getting tips about um, how to develop as a player. And that's, that's, that's really important too. And, yeah. The most important, we don't even mention it, is that they make friendships for life. Mm. You know, even if they don't make it to that green jersey, you know what I mean? The girls that they meet on the residential camps, the under-17s, the under-18s, they'll be playing against each other for the next couple of years. Hopefully they'll be having a bit of fun and enjoyment. And, um, you know, those friendships, as I know, uh, last for lifetimes. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because there's a human element and human side to all of this as well. We talk about places, we talk about pathways, we talk about training, we talk about trying to get to the very top. We talk about pushing Irish women's rugby forward um, and that's what we all want and it is being done but there's also the human element to it as you said and it's good that you know while it's taken seriously that you have the crack and have the laughs as well. I think that's equally important. I think you'd know better than I would around rugby camp certainly on that. Look, we've covered a huge amount of ground on this week's episode. Next week uh, we're going to talk about the W. AIL season plan we're going to give that a bit more time so just for people who are interested in that we will have a good discussion on that but um, having spoken about the under 17s under 18s the residential summer camps the senior monster senior women and the Ireland under 20 announcement so much happening in the season hasn't started yet Wendy once again here on the big red bench thank you for your time and enjoy the rest of your holiday down in sunny Thanks, Kerry delighted to, delighted to be on miss the show grab the big red bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's red fm Cork Senior Camogie Manager Matthew Toomey joins this week's Big Red Bench to review last Saturday's Glen Dimdek's All-Ireland Camogie Championship victory over Clare and to preview Sunday's All-Ireland Quarterfinal showdown with Kilkenny at Crow Park. But first, here's Cork Intermediate Manager Trevor Coleman who's on this week's bench to look back at the Rebels' Glen Dimdek's All-Ireland Intermediate Championship victory over Galway and to look ahead to Saturday's All-Ireland Intermediate showdown with Mead. Now here on the Big Red Bench with me is the Cork Camogie Intermediate Manager, uh, Trevor Coleman, following his side's fantastic Glen Dimplex All-Ireland Intermediate Camogie quarter-final win over Galway. 16 points to 8 this past weekend, which has set up um, a quarter-final place against Meath in Semple Stadium on Saturday with a 1pm throw-in. Trevor, you're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench. How happy are you uh, with that performance and putting up 16 points on such a good Galway team? Yeah, I look very happy, Jock, to be fair. Look, we were small, but no, was going into the game, even though we trained well for the last two weeks, so confidence was high. But again, Galway have been around the, around the, around the last, the last couple of years between mine and under 16. So even though they won last year and last year, a good group of players, we knew they'd still have a good set, set up and a good, um, good number of players that came through mine and under 16. So, we were small, but nervous for the game. But I think we settled very well uh, this week and got into the game very well. So, look, a good performance overall. I can't complain. Yeah, and a good team performance. The score, the scoring chart show again, uh, much like the seniors, a nice spread of scores with Lauren Holman coming up with five important points. Um, how important was it, though, uh, that you weren't you know, dependent on just Lauren for scores on, on such an important day? 
Yeah, it's excellent. Look, and unfortunately, we probably just we lost Kino Callan just before. So well, we lost her on Friday night. To be fair, she went to a ball alley and did did a bit of damage to her ankle. But look, hopefully, she'll be all right for next weekend. So look, um, again, Lauren, we had the first place. Rose Murphy actually played very well as well. To be fair to her, you know, Lucy Allen. Look, the, the all chipped in. I think for once it, it was a great team performance. I know we made five substitutions uh, on the day, but those were just to give people run out of one for people playing bad. But again, look, we, I think we, we missed a good couple of goal-scoring opportunities and a couple of points. Now, look, it's great to have something to work on coming out of the game as well. I, I'd hate to be going into next weekend after putting Galway away by a, a bigger margin. I think we're in a good place. We seem to be getting better every game we play. See, what people don't realise is we, and I keep saying that we've lost 18 from last year as well. There was only five started the other day that started the All-Ireland final last year. So these girls are getting used to the big games and it was a knockout All-Ireland Championship game, which is huge. Nerves can come into it, can be a big factor in it. But I think we, we dealt with them well and we got over a win. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken about this before, Trevor, on the Big Red Bench, but considering the churn in a squad, it's rare that any inter-county squad goes through that number of changes. Are you hitting form and are you hitting kind of, you know, the team? The squad clearly has meshed and has merged into, into a seriously good team now, but are you hitting form at just the right time? I, I think so, and I hope so. Josh hope so. not fall apart this weekend. But no, I think I think it's I think it's coming together. To be fair, look, we we had a good like after the Dublin game, we we spoke amongst ourselves. Uh, we had a good chat for about ten minutes out in the pitch after, and like we said, there was eight weeks left in, in the competition. Let's knuckle down, put in the effort, and the last couple of weeks it went really well. We had a few bonding sessions with the players, which needs to be done as well. Look, as I always say, it's not all about camogie. There's a lot of other stuff going on in the world that we have to realise as well, and they have a lot going on between families and socially so again we've asked them to put all that on hold for the next couple of weeks as long as we're left in the, the All-Ireland Series and they've done that and look it, there's a great attitude within the squad at the moment they're all getting on which is great and look there's a great management team behind them as well oh, look all I do is do the phone calls and do all the dirty work well look there's a great management team there as well and we, we, we seem to gel so look the proof will be in the pudding now again this weekend is the next hurdle and where we want to go against Mead in, in another big test yeah, because you played them last year, I believe, and look, this this would be Mead's you know first team. This is a team that they obviously take their camogie very seriously, and like any day against Cork, Trevor, they're going to want to take a major scalp. So you need to be on your game as you were against Galway going into this. Yes, definitely. Look, look, the Galway game was was great. We know we we know like if we played well, we we'd have to beat the Galway. But again, we feel that every game we that Mead is going to be different opposite again. They like they've each been in the middle field who's a serious operator and Andy Gaffney up front you know, who, who has speed the ball. So, again, they'll probably take a bit of my thing. And again, you're right, it's me, first team. Well, I probably don't just number 60 player now at this stage being the players I lost and the senior team. So, look, that's no disrespect to the goals I have. They're, they're, they're there on merit. They're, they're excellent players. So, again, we go out against me. I'd say probably me will probably be slightly favourite being their first team. And they were in the Division 2A final this year. Had a run out in Crow Park, so I had a run out in a big stadium. So, I think going into the game, they might be slight favourites. But again, look, we, we'll knuckle down over the week again and try and hopefully get over our next hurdle. And just finally, Matthew, obviously getting, or sorry, Trevor, uh, just the opportunity to play at Semple Stadium as well. I mean, a fantastic side, a great pitch. That's going to suit the players that you've got as well. Um, it's a big, high-profile match and one more step towards hopefully getting back to another All-Ireland final. But how do you approach it this week? Do you just keep the same approach that you had for the Galway game and try not to build it up and just do the things yeah, that you're doing well? Yeah, I think so. Look, we just we we've set routine for training um, and the week the week of championship. Look tonight, we're actually going to do a recovery session. We're going to do a bit of yoga tonight uh, with the girls because like we did put them through a tough two weeks after the Dublin game. We just wanted to bring the fitness up again uh, another notch. So we we do a recovery session tonight. We train Tuesday, train Thursday, 
And look, it's great for these goals. I think it's probably the last big stadium in Munster that they, they get to play in. They played in the past, they played in Kerry. So again, look, they played in Limerick last year. So this is a great honour for them to be going to Tullis. Look, we all started to home home and that's where we all want to play besides Crow Park. So it's a great honour. I know there's a lot of stuff going on outside of uh, with the politics of getting Corgi ladies up on the GA but with the of the GA they do give us the big stadiums when we do require them so it's a great honour for these goals to go down there you know Very well said I hope that yoga session goes alright for you and the management team as well in the build up to what's a very important game but here on the big red bench everybody is looking forward to that game at the weekend we wish you all the best Trevor you the management team and the Cork Media Camogie side as well taking on me in Semple Stadium on Saturday at 1 o'clock in the Glen Dimplex all Ireland Intermediate Championship Camogie quarterfinals the very best of luck to you Thanks for Delighted now to be joined here on the Big Red Bench by the Cork Senior Camogie manager Matthew Toomey following Cork's fantastic 3-19-8 points victory in the Glen Dimplex All-Ireland quarterfinal at Cusick Park last weekend. Matthew, you're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench. You must be very, very pleased uh, a day now uh, on from, or a couple of days on from defeating Clare with the performance of your squad. Thanks, sir. Um, I suppose nervous enough going up there um, after Clare running God was so close to a goal um, the, the previous match um, and then like, I suppose all who have the dual pairs and all that and don't so many pairs were kind of a bit anxious like, but um, credit to the lads like, the, the, the game is over by half time um, they put in a massive shift and we were very very dangerous like our forwards really kind of came to the fore and they were very dangerous every time they attacked we looked like scoring Um so there was a lot of pleasing things to note of it, but look, going up there, all we want to do is get any kind of results to some stars, and um, they achieved that. Did you see this performance coming in the training during the week? I know you said there was quite a lot of distractions between the dual player issue and with the injuries, but did you sense from training, I mean, obviously the determination was there, as you could see it from the opening minutes, this is something that you could see happening? Um, definitely, because like, I suppose we've been like this all year, but um, like, uh, Probably said it too many times, but our conversion rate in some of the matches, like the league final, we were like we, we created a lot of chances if we didn't finish. The, the, even the game against Galway in the, the first round of the championship was the same. We dominated the game, we didn't finish. And I just think the down game, you know, I know the standard was less, um, but the down game we got a ferocious amount of confidence. We got three nineteen against them, and then to go out three nineteen again is um, it, it's some going by the forwards. Like and and you know, if you want to be super critical, like we still left scores after us. We, we know that, like, but. Look, just things are getting right. The confidence is there. Um, just the, the, the timing of when when they're starting to come together is is good at the moment. Anyway, so it puts us in good stead for next weekend. And a nice spread of scores as well. Something that's always a good uh, a good sign, Matthew, across your team. I mean, obviously, Amy O'Connor did Amy O'Connor things, but Sarsha McCartan, Fiona Keating, rattling in a fine goal, and Katrina Mackey as well, uh, back uh, back in action. I mean, it, it really was, and Orla Cronin as well, back uh, out on the pitch and scoring. I mean, these are the kind of things you need as a manager. You want the headaches, not the headaches you had over the last couple of weeks, but you want the headaches of right. Well, who do I pick now? Who's coming back? And that's exactly the way you want to be heading into the um, heading up to Crow Park. Without a doubt. Uh the forwards who started did very well. Um, like our kind of ethos this year is to empty the tank, and we have a bench, we have a squad. Even with the players were down, like we still had a very strong bench, and like we just asked them to empty the tank and get the players in to finish the game. And like to be fair, Emma Murphy, Claude Finn, like Orla Cronin, they all came on and made an impression in the game. And like you know, that's all you want off a, a team and, and and a squad. And you know, we've, we've even people, you know. Um, people jumping at the bit even just to make the say the, the twenty in, in our mind, which is it's great for competition for players and the competition for places and the sort of coming on as well, which is it's a very healthy thing. 
And the possibility as well of long-term injury absentees, Ashley Thompson and Laura Hayes. I mean, they may or may not be involved this coming weekend. You've got a week to figure that out. But again, two huge additions that would walk onto any intercounty team. Absolutely, yeah. Look, we, we, we've kind of we've missed them when 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 they've been when haven't been there. Um, like Ashling is Ashling, like you know she's lost. You know she's a class that's on the field, but also in the dressing room. But the the work she's actually doing to get herself in the position where she is, is has been a, a the cruciate. But Laura Hayes is the same. She like she suffered a broken foot. She's after kind of scraping time off her recovery. You know, just from her hard work and and, and looking after herself. So look, the two of them are on the panel for next weekend. But, you know, I presume they won't start, but um, there there is some option, you know, for to to bring Anna for in trouble. And like I know you mentioned Nora Cronin there, she's the same. Like she's gone through a horrific kind of eighteen months. But look, last weekend to see her on the field, and you know, to me, she's one of the best players in the country, without a doubt. Like and, and you know, to have her around the place again, you know, hurling the way she is, um, she's a great vision, and and, and uh, you know, an terrorist. So look, that's positive as well. You know, but look, having said that, now there's a massive battle for us next week. Like we're not getting carried away, but look, we're just putting ourselves in a better position to put up a stronger fight. You certainly are, and you head to Croke Park as well to take on Kilkenny. Now, a rerun of last year's All Ireland final. You know each other well at this stage. We've covered that in previous interviews, Matthew. But the fact that it's in Croke Park and the fact that there's going to be a big crowd there, how much of a big game atmosphere are you expecting, and how much are you expecting your players to respond positively to that? Um, I suppose the thing about this team is that when they're back into the wall, like they, it's when they try. You know, we haven't we've been had a bit of bad luck in games as well. Like, but it's, it's like they thrive on this um, ten, fifteen thousand kids play support for for the Camogie game. It's, it's, it's all against us, like, but it's 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 something that the players thrive on. Like it's, it's like you know when the draw was made, we were on the way down the game, and the draw was made, and there was kind of an early an edge of excitement, you know, we just look, every game from here on, it's, it's going to be massive, like, you know, and, and look, they're our Ireland champions, they're not going through the, the, the campaign unbeaten, so, look, it, it, we're up against it, as I say, but, it's, it's what you try, man, like, you know, you want you want to see where you're at, um, against the best team, and, and, and Kilkenny are, are certainly one of the best teams in the country. They certainly are, as they proved in last year's All-Ireland final, where you just came up short by a point. Just finally, Matthew, is there anything to be garnered from that final, or is this a brand new set of circumstances? It's in the championship, it's not the final, but look, you've got to face them under merits. Um, will you take anything from last year's All-Ireland performance? Not really. Like, you know, there was someone mentioned to me over the weekend, you know, be grand to get revenge. Like, that, that isn't even into our mind. Um, last year was done and dusted. We got beaten. You know, fair play to them. This is a new year. Um like we we started off the year very well, and we, we lost farm, you know, between the injuries and and our own farm. We got beaten and we couldn't get it back, and we lost four in the bounce. And you know, some people at the start of your thought we were going to go through the season unbeaten, and then people were thinking we weren't going to win a game again. So we just concentrate on, on game by game, like we like the steps of the stairs. Like we just was Kilkenny. That's all we're focused on. Yeah, they're a great team. They're a tough team. Um, I I think we're a different team than last year. We, we're trying to play a different style of hurling, and um, the players are responsible. Look, we, we, what we want to identify is what we we may be wrong, but look, we're in there for to make these decisions. We're just trying to play a style of play that suits our team, and we think we have it. But it all comes down now to the desire now next next Sunday, and um, if, if if we want them more, we have a great chance of winning it. But you know, anything less, like we're going to be in trouble. 
indeed but you are certainly in a much much better position following that excellent performance in the All-Ireland quarterfinals to defeat Clare Cork versus Kilkenny a repeat of last year's All-Ireland Camogie final next Sunday at Crow Park um, in the quarterfinals of this year's competition for now Matthew Toomey we here on the Big Red Bench wish you and your players all the best Thank you very much Sean the Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork booked their place in the last eight of this year's TG Car All-Ireland LGFA quarter-finals away to Armagh following an eight-goal trouncing of Tipperary in Clonakilty last Saturday. The Big Red Bench was on hand to get immediate after-match reaction from Cork manager Shane Ronane, Captain Maura Callan, Dyrna O'Sullivan, Laura O'Mahony and Roisin Phelan. Uh, Darren O'Sullivan job done into the quarterfinals which is what you wanted before you came to Clonakilty today but the emphatic nature of it 8-11 a real statement from within the dressing room following the goal result yeah look our backs were against the wall coming down here today it was do or die and we wanted to lay out our stall early um, we spoke about one touch football I think Galway did that very well against us and we got caught taking the ball into the tackle so we worked on that a lot over the week um, and I think our video analysis team did very well and pointed um, out that and we played our strengths today I think we, we took very little out of the ball um, and created space and gave the ball to the girl in the best opportunity and I think that's where the eight goals came from today You say that and you're absolutely correct you were involved in a lot of those five goals at the start and just being that final pass it was the pace of what you did today how quickly you moved from defence is that something you were focusing on coming into it? Yeah, I'm conscious I don't want to give too much away but look it was to be honest quick transition um, and we were hoping to keep our forwards or their backs honest and keep five forwards up a minimum at all times I think against Galway we got sucked into defence and we struggled to get the ball out in time, at times I think today we kept the tip backs very honest and um, played without fear as well I think took them on um, and look yeah that was something we put the emphasis on today took very little out of the ball and created that overlap now, we don't know who you're playing but we do know you'll be away from home was the key thing today that you had a performance under the belt going into no matter where you end up playing that you had the performance under the belt that can give you confidence going into that game yeah I think confidence is the key there look we've had a lot of setbacks in terms of injuries um, we had a lot of girls between the Camogie clash and injuries unavailable to us today so confidence was a huge thing a lot of girls made their championship debut today um, and look Abigail Ring just did her leaving search and she came on after I'm not sure 15-20 minutes very early on and, and did very very well so look we've put a big emphasis on a panel um, since January and I think that stood to us today a lot of girls stood up when we when we went down to 13 players there today I think um, we, we learned a lot from today as well and just finally Knox injuries come with every game but the strength of the panel has been tested a lot this year and you've come up with the answers yeah look we're, we're very proud of that um, but Shane and the management team did say that at the start of the year you're not on the team to make up the 30 it's not junior club training where you're coming down and making up the numbers or whatever it, it, it's inter-county football and everyone's there putting up their hand pushing each other on trying to make the 15 trying to make the 20 and look people got their opportunity today due to, to injuries and camogie clashes and, and they put their hand up so look it's another headache for management but it's a good place to be Excellent best luck in that quarter final Thanks very much uh, Laura Manny first of all the job today was to get into the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship quarter finals and you did that in emphatic fashion how happy are you with the performance over the 60 minutes not just the first 15 when you got all those goals Yeah I think we started off really well kind of like the Munster final and we always do have a lapse and I think we had a lapse again we kind of got complacent but at half time we reset and I think the third quarter is always something that we're nervous about and I think we came out in the second half again and we didn't let it lapse even though we were down to 13 so we should be really happy with that 
That half-back line that you were part of today had a lot of work to do. One point you're down to 13 players, but you didn't panic and you stuck to the stuck to the plan and, and it worked in the end. No, look, the half-back line has been changing throughout the year and especially when I was coming in this week now, I had a job to do just like the rest of the girls and I think we went really well together, the three of us, and even Anna got two goals as well, so fair play to Anna. So is she the, the standout defender in that line over getting the two goals and you need to do the same though, is it? Yeah, exactly. Look, I got the point just about as well, so... <laughs> I was going to mention that. Um, looking ahead, we don't know who you're playing in the quarterfinals yet. We do know you'll be away from home, but this is the kind of performance that you needed to put in ahead of that game, no matter who you play. Yeah, I think when we lost to Galway, none of us could say that we weren't the better team, or we were the we were the better team last week. Um, I think we needed to come out and even prove to ourselves, just to prove to everyone else that we can do it. And we just had a bad day that day. So regardless of who we get in the quarterfinal, I think we're just going to focus on ourselves. It doesn't matter. Just finally, a real strength to this panel this year now because the players that came on made a big difference as well and have done all year. Exactly, yeah, sure. We're down from the two Camogie girls this week. Um, Sarah Lee, he broke her collarbone against Galway. So all places are up for grabs. No one's safe. Emer Coyley went off today. So I think everyone just needs to know the game plan, keep in it, and we'll get through it together. Excellent stuff. Best luck in the quarterfinals. Thanks, sir. Well, Karen, Cork captain, first of all, congratulations. True to the last eight, that first 15 minutes of five goals, but the overall performance, you and the players must be delighted. Yeah, we're very happy, Joe. I mean, we came here today with a job to do. We wanted to secure our place in the All-Ireland Series and make sure we had no regrets. Um, we just promised ourselves we'd leave it all out in the field and make sure we weren't coming out of the championship before reaching the quarterfinals. So we're happy to get the job done today tone of the performance it can be it's obviously a lot of hard work done in, in training in between the last game and obviously the determination is always there but there was a real conviction in that first 15 minutes yeah absolutely I think we all were very aware that it, it's really do or die now at this stage um, as I said we don't want to have any regrets so we just promised each other we'd work um, as hard as we could um, stick to the game plan as much as possible and just leave it all out in the field and just have absolutely no regrets were you surprised I mean five goals in that cup for, in the first 15 minutes finding the back of the net um, no, I suppose you could say it was a, a fairly, a very, a, we couldn't have dreamed of a better start really, to be honest, you know, um, I don't think in, in any of our visions of how this match would go that we thought it would go like that, so look, we're just really lucky that we, we took the chances we got, um, and then I suppose we built a bit of a cushion for ourselves so that we didn't really need to panic at any stage, obviously we went down to 13 for a period of the second half, and while I suppose if we hadn't built that cushion, it could have been a very rocky, rocky period for us. And as you said, look, the performance was there today, determination, something to build on a platform now for whoever you get in the quarterfinal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's no more second chances. That, that's what we told ourselves after the Galway game. So now it really is just leave it all out in the field and whatever happens then after that, it's out of our control. Best luck in the quarterfinals. Thanks, Mill. Uh, Roisin Phelan, first of all, congratulations. Cork into the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship quarterfinals. How happy are you with that opening 15 minutes? Yeah, look, we had a statement to make. Um, you don't become a bad team overnight, and we just wanted to come out and really put a performance on, and thankfully we did in the first half. The goal scorers will get the headlines, but the defence played really, really well today as well, restricting them to 2-3. You must be pleased with that. Yeah, really pleased. Like, look, you know, we're, we were conceding a bit too much for our likings. Um, we wanted to put a marker down today, and thankfully we were able to keep them to 2-3. We'd be disappointed point with a couple of them but you know that, that's always the way uh, always good to have something to work on as you all know yourself but you're into the quarterfinals which is what you wanted a lot is in between your last game and today like it's obvious that a lot of hard work was done in the training ground and it clearly bore fruit yeah look we're we're working really hard we have been since we started last november on the pitch and you know it's, it's really important that we keep this going this is the time of year that we're playing for and we're really thankful to be in the quarterfinal congratulations best luck in the quarterfinal thank you very much thank you very much 
Shane Renane, first of all, congratulations. Into the last eight of the All-Ireland Championship, which is what you wanted, but that first 15 minutes, those five goals, I mean, you must have been absolutely thrilled with the way your team set about their business today. Yeah, look, we were delighted. Um, I suppose we were very disappointed after the Galway game. and um, We've had a very good two weeks of training, very positive. You know, players knew that they, I suppose, hadn't executed what they what they should have done. I suppose we as a management looked at ourselves as well, as I said there during the week, Joe. And I think everything we put into practice, uh, what we wanted to do there, we did in the first 15 minutes. You know, so we're very happy with that. That's the kind of execution, the quick transition from defence. You've had it patches all season, but right today, you set the tone from the opening minutes like, and didn't take your foot off the pedal. That's probably even more impressive that you didn't take your foot off the pedal. Yeah, look, we said at half-time that we had to drive on, and I think we were very impressive. Like we were down 13 at one stage in the second half. You wouldn't have known it, John. Like, you know, we, we set targets today, and I think we met them all. Um, so we're very, very happy with that. We, you know, we drove on even there with, you know, at the end of the game, we had 14 players. People were getting tired. Uh, we just kept driving today, and I think that's very, very important for us going forward. Like, you know, look, we've we've uh, we've an injury team. Or Kylie, we don't know how serious it is. Look, um, you know, unfortunately, like Kier got a red card. I, I can't see how it could be a red card when you're 18 points up. Why would a player do it? That would jeopardise, you know, her her future for the rest of the year. Like so, like that's disappointing. But I think the players responded unbelievably well it, it didn't knock them at any stage and I think that's the real big thing like especially though Dara there like Emer gets injured for the penalty and Emer's meant to take the penalty Dara steps up and buries it and then scores an unbelievable point afterwards I think look I think that's the kind of ruthlessness and, and kind of um, I suppose um, the, the way you want them focused and I think all the focus we put up on the board today we delivered on them all and we're, look we're delighted with that we know in two weeks time look the boys are getting scarce hopefully the, you know, we'll have, a, we, we'll, have all, we'll have a full panel the next day with regards to Camogie and all so hopefully Camogie do their business today they'll you know, get, get a win next week if they're true we're in two weeks time so look look, we're, we're, we're happy with that going forward we're just I suppose we have to reassess everything now and see where we are bodies wise just finally this is the second time you've come to Clannacilty for a major a big match you beat Waterford last year it was a great atmosphere once again today the crew came out to support you yeah absolutely delighted with it you know in fairness to everybody in Clannacilty Yvonne, Ryan and everybody has been brilliant and uh, look we're delighted huge crowd here again today I think we gave them plenty of entertainment again so look um, we're delighted with that and look at something we look at again next year Joe, when we're you know maybe league games and things like that as well because it is look it's a, it's a bit of a distance for teams but I think the quality of the whole setup, even the Oti Barrera saying that, like the, the whole setup here is fantastic. So, look, we're delighted with it. Thanks to everyone in West Cork again. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan, and guests between 6 and 7 pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels, as well as visiting our official website, redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.